covenant loyalty to God and to his word is what we're looking for. When Jesus tells us to go into all of the world and preach this word, what his desire is, is that through our adherence to the ways and the word of God, through our adherence, our faithfulness, our covenant faithfulness, our love for him, we will create loyal followers. Not out of anger because we are only seeing in part or we haven't allowed his word to enter the places that it intended to and wasn't able to bring about the transformation that it was that was needed father we bless you today in the name of jesus we bless your presence we bless your intentions we bless your intentions for a life, for family, for city. We bless your intention. And we pray, Lord, today that just like when Jesus walked on the earth, Father, and he endeavored to bring about the principles of life in simplicity and truth, we pray in the name of Jesus that your word would be simple to us, delivered in simplicity and received in the name of Jesus, and that it would bring joy, and that it would bring joy. The word will bring joy today to an area of your life where you were needing joy. If there's an area today where you need joy, the Bible declares that the joy of God is your strength, and the word of God, hallelujah, has come in the name of Jesus to bring joy and to bring hope to those areas in the name of Jesus. And we welcome that. Just tell the Lord that. That you open up your heart and that you welcome the word to come in and you welcome heaven's perspective. You welcome that. We welcome that, Father. We're not standing in a place of resistance to the truth. We know, Lord, what we see is only temporal. It is subject to change through the power of the word of God as we receive it and embrace it in the name of Jesus. And so we thank you for that, Lord, today. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Hallelujah. We love you, Father. And we're learning, Lord, what it looks like 
to love you more and more in the name of Jesus. We're learning, Lord. That's what Encounter Weekend is all about. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Learning more about him so that we can love him more easily and more readily. Allowing him to come in and override or overrule any areas where we maybe have a preconceived idea or a notion and we just simply invite him in and say, we're giving you the final word in this area. Because wrong perception in any area stalemates us. I'll say that again. Wrong perception, and what's the right perception? Anything, pastor shared it with us the other day, the word wicked means twisted, and so when the scripture is talking about a wicked and a perverse generation, it's not uh, a criticism. It's just simply speaking to people who are thinking upside down to the ways of God. And we have a choice. That's one of the greatest things that God has given us is our ability to choose. And so when he declares a wicked and perverse generation, what his desire is, is that we would, hallelujah, that we would choose him, that we would choose his word, that we would just allow that to come in, hallelujah, and make all the difference in the name of Jesus. So we thank you for the miracle, Father, hallelujah, of encounter this weekend, the miracle of change in the name of Jesus. What a miracle, what a miracle. You know, when I think about it, you know, Sometimes we can, we, we sang that song today in worship, you've been so, so good to me when I think where I would be. I think sometimes that's our challenge, that we don't stop and think to remember, right? We don't stop to, to think and remember, where was I? Where was I? Where did I used to be? What did life used to be like? Right? And where was I going? Right? Where, where would I be, honestly, in my marriage? Where would my children be? Where would my finances be? Where would my health be? Right? Hallelujah. When I stop and think about where I would be. Amen. God takes us from the place of being stalled just through perspective change. Wow. To absolutely advancing. But it takes that stopping. It takes that choice to stop right for every single person that was on encounter weekend whether they were working it or whether they were attending it it was two days that in the natural they probably couldn't afford to give but there is this thing called saturation that changes everything because pastor would always say 
the challenge sometimes in life can be that you don't know what you need to know until you know it. So you don't know that you're stalled. You don't know how to get to where you want to go until you stop, until you slow down and you invite the Lord in. And through perspective, we begin to advance and the results that we get out of life are so much greater. I marvel about that. You know, I was sitting in the back room this morning and just all of church activities that are happening around me as I'm, you know, locked in this little cubby. People are coming into the back and they're praying and people are coming into the back and singing and loving on one another. And I marvel. I marvel at this breathing, living entity, the church, you all, that was once just a dream, God's dream in our heart. And whether we would say yes. And it all goes around, around, and you sit and you marvel because it's alive. And it's so good. It's so God. It's so full of life. And it's making such, you are making such a difference for good. Making such a difference for good. I sat back there and I marveled. I marveled. And you know what? No, it isn't like this everywhere. It isn't like it everywhere. Is it perfect here? No. But I believe with everything that is in me, there is this genuine, genuine childlike desire, knowledge, as we lift up the word of God, of the power of the word to trans, in humility, to know that we need to ever to be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ because that is our goal. And in the power of the word to do so, wow. Hallelujah, so good, so good. And so Pastor Ian has been teaching us. Are you all good this morning? Hallelujah, praise God. So good to be here. Hallelujah, so good to be here, so good to be here after an encounter weekend. It's always good when there's conference. It's always good when people are praying in the building nonstop. It's always good when hungry people are in the building nonstop. It just creates this atmosphere, you know. It's amazing. Imagine, you know, imagine a meeting that gets Almighty God's attention. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we just, we go through life so quickly. And if we would just slow down, I don't know, just, just a little bit, you know, not so much like the, oh, like, you know, how you can slow things down, but just like a little bit, ever so slightly in life and realize that just like Desiree's vision, that God is always on the sidelines with us. In everything we do, 
there to cheer us on. Imagine the empowerment in life for not just Desiree, but every single one of us. I heard a woman say yesterday at the end of Encounter, she said, her word was, I am treasured. And she said to me, she said, can I share my word that the Lord gave me? And I said, sure. And I'm not sure sometimes what we think we're going to get. <laughs> I can promise you it wasn't that. And not that I'm belittling it in any way. But what we may hear, other people may never hear. Yeah, right? That's what makes it alive and so personal. And she said, the Lord spoke to me and said, I am treasured. And she looked at me and she said three or four times, do you know what, she's a little up there in age, do you know what it means to hear God say that you are treasured when you have never in all of your life been treasured by anyone? When you have never been treasured as a little girl, you have never experienced the idea that you are a treasure, that you are treasured. You know what that feels like for God to speak that to you? And I'm doing my best to melt and appreciate this word because it's her word, not mine. But it's crazy how if we could just understand the simplicity of what the world needs to see in us, lovers of God, that in everything we do, our loyalty is with him and to him. And so instead of seeing a bunch of frustrated lives because of the have-tos and the have-not-tos, we would get to the place where we finally resolve that he knows best and give him our allegiance and our devotion and go through every single day, maybe not understanding life, but certainly sticking with him and trusting him that somehow, some way, he's going to work everything out for our good. And what a magnet that becomes for the kingdom of God. I wonder if it's not so much that we are not going door to door that's working against us. I wonder if it's not so much that we don't have the programs that we need, but I wonder if you and I would just take a few moments before we leave the house, slow things down a little and realize that wherever we go and whatever we face today, he goes with us. He goes with us. And he comes with us with a compelling and a vengeance like a mama bear in your life if you let him to work out every situation for those, the scripture says in Second Chronicles, 
for those who are loyal, for those who are devoted, for those who are committed, for those who have made that choice, for those who are pursuing hard, for those who desire to know, to know his love. The Bible says the eyes of God are running to and fro. He is beside himself in love and desire. He yearns in Deuteronomy chapter 5. You hear the yearning heart of God. And he says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he says, Oh, that there would be, you hear, Almighty God, yearn. Oh, that there would be a heart in them to know me. Oh, that there would be a heart in them to know me. Oh, that they would long to know me. That I could show myself strong. That I could show myself mighty on their behalf. My eyes, God says, run to and fro through the earth, not looking for those who are walking in perfection, but for those who desire to know him, the knowledge of God. Pastor's been talking to us about covenant. Today, I felt like the Lord wanted us to talk about covenant loyalty, which kind of is synonymous, I think, really. And he's been talking to us about this idea that covenant is, when you want to understand, you know, what covenant is. And a lot of times we've defined the word and we talk about covenant being a partnership and all of those things. And that's not the angle that he's coming at things. And he's been telling us a couple of key things that covenant is other before me. It's other before me. And covenant is, as we hear in a marriage covenant, he's been using the example through the scripture, I believe in the book of Ephesians, where it's talking about the love that Christ has for the church, like a husband, the love that a husband and a wife have for one another in marriage. And often we'll see in covenant vows where they'll talk about, you know, in, in, in sickness and in health and richness and whatever, rich or poor or good or bad, you know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Covenant loyalty. Covenant loyalty. Knowing his love for you. Doing nothing as Philippians says, out of selfish ambition, but learning others before me in good and bad. Hallelujah. You brought about the scripture that Jesus said when he exhorted his disciples as he's leaving the earth and he exhorts them to teach them to obey all that I have said, all that I've spoken. Teach them to obey 
all that I've spoken, and a lot of times when we're talking about God changing our perspective, so we go from that place of not understanding to that place where we have, uh, you know, we can put a smile on our face because oh, we understand that, God, you love us and that you are with us and that you're for us and that you're working out everything for good and you're not mad at us. We understand why, God, some of the principles and concepts of your word seem so hard and they seem so difficult to attain to when you use that word that is almost, a, you know, it's a four-letter word. It's the word obey. No, it's not a swear word. It's in the word of God. And the reason God talks to us about obeying, talks to us about understanding and doing the, the principles or the concepts of his word are because when we, when we just finally come to that place where we choose God and we choose his ways and we allow those ways to find their way in our life, then we're, what we're doing in essence is we're doing the same thing that that centurion did when Jesus found him and he, the centurion spoke to Jesus and he said, only say the word, Jesus. Only say the word and my servant will be healed because I am a man under authority and I know when I say this, it gets done. When I tell someone to go, they go. And Jesus, the scripture says, marveled at his faith because he recognized one thing, that he was acting, obeying, under the authority of another. Hmm. Acting under the authority of another. Not of this world. Acting under the authority of another. Hallelujah. God wants to shake up our thinking this morning so that we come from the place where we just go from teaching to teaching and we realize as I'm being extremely dramatic this morning that his word is alive, that his word is life and that it will change us if we let it and that God's intention was never that it would be black ink on a white page and that it would never just be words on our heart either but that it would be alive yeah. and that it would change us if we would let it. Yeah. Hallelujah. And God's desire is that we would walk in this thing called covenant loyalty in good and bad and others before me and understanding that we are people who are not free agents, but under the authority of another because we're called to be agents of change in this earth. And in and of ourselves, we can't accomplish the supernatural work that God is calling us to apart from the supernatural help of 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. The eyes of God going to and fro 
through the whole earth looking for one whose heart is loyal, committed, devoted to him. Sometimes, hallelujah, you know, we talk about covenant loyalty. I feel like a lot of times we can understand what something isn't for some reason. I'm not sure in our humanity. It seems to sometimes make a lot more sense because we just agree because we've had so many teachings on things. And so if I teach you about the definition of loyalty, y'all go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And if I teach you about covenant, y'all go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But somehow when we look at these radical examples of what covenant loyalty isn't, <laughs> sometimes it's so, and allow ourselves to be transparent, sometimes it's so jarring to us that we remember it and in hopes, not that we would judge, but in hopes that we would look into the mirror and allow his word to come into the crevices and bring freedom. So hallelujah, I'm going to be a little bit transparent this morning as I talk to you about what covenant loyalty is not. Hallelujah, so that hopefully we can get to the place where we understand what covenant loyalty is. At least we'll start there. And Jacqueline, you're here this morning. (laughs) And the example that comes to me, because you're my China partner. And so years ago, I don't even remember what year, you probably do, but I don't. We we, uh, went to China and... uh, I want to look at loyalty in this idea of support. And so, you know, I've talked about my China trip. You know, it wasn't all bad. (laughs) It was amazing. It was absolutely life-changing. But I learned about me. And, you know, sometimes this obedience that God is looking for this idea that we are people under authority in humility is really necessary so that God can get us to do things that would enter our mind that we maybe would never consider all by our onesie. And so I remember, you know, there was a friend of mine came to me one day, it was a tent meeting that we were having, and she came to me and said, there's a trip of people that are going to China and I believe you need to go on it. Well, I was not thinking about China I certainly was not thinking about leaving my family for two weeks. I was not thinking about the financial commitment of going to China for two weeks. I wanted nothing to do with China. I I didn't have a heart for China. Uh, (laughs) It didn't sound appealing to me at all. But I knew enough to know. Hallelujah. There was definitely, at least we didn't see a Hilton. I don't think. No. Not that I remember. Hallelujah. Support. It's my support no matter what. Covenant loyalty. My support in good and bad. It's others before me no matter what. And so, you know, I I prayed and we prayed and got a yes and decided that we were going and 
I was going, you were not, and, <laughs> and um, you know, I don't know, well, the, I don't know that I had ever gone away, really, for at least a very, very long time on my own, other than visiting my family with children and leaving you in Saskatchewan, <laughs> um, which was never alone, and, and going to China. And so, you know, I, I said yes to God, and this is where it gets a little bit tricky, you know, said yes to God, and, and when I got there, you know, everything's moving along, and, and I'm doing my best to, you know, one of the things I've learned on a missions trip is obviously there's going to be a level of discomfort, and so you just, you know, barrel down, and you just, you, I, I would just declare, you know, God, I am getting everything that you sent me on this trip because I don't want to be here, <laughs> and I'm doing this in obedience to you, whatever it is you want to do in my life, God, I'm going to let you come in and do what you want to do. So I'm just declaring every single day, I am getting everything, Lord, that I came for. Yeah. And so I find myself in a Starbucks one day, and um, you know the story. It's support, giving my support no matter what. So I find myself in Starbucks, and I'm this, like, you know, in shape, type A, Maybe not in Jesus' name now. <laughs> uh, going somewhere to happen, chick, for Jesus. <coughs> Smuggling Bibles. <laughs> Dragging suitcases bigger than us. Smuggling them and wondering how those officers didn't see the Bibles and why didn't they pull us over anyway and miracle after miracle and walking from sunup to sundown and being uncomfortable absolutely, you know, and all that was great because it was moving at my speed. Fast. Dangerous. Not so much anymore. <laughs> And so we're finding our, we find ourselves one day in a Starbucks. And I wasn't sitting with you, thank God. <laughs> you might have. But I was sitting with a friend of mine. And I started complaining. And she complained. And we complained to each other. And I knew better. Because I didn't go all the way to China to sit in a Starbucks. Because at the time, I didn't drink coffee. If you ask me to go to Starbucks now, I might think differently. <laughs> but at the time, I had no need for Starbucks. And we sat there. And I stewed and stewed and stewed and stewed. And I think I even, you know, I might have even said, I said something to my friend, but I might have even been dumb enough to say something to somebody else. And finally, the missionary, obviously telling that there's smoke coming out of my nose and my ears. You remember this? You do? Oh, shame <laughs> off me in Jesus' name. Were you sitting there with me? <laughs> you weren't. Were you? 
I won't say shame on you. I was. Oh, the judgment. <laughs> Did you hear what she said? Of course you all heard what she said. And so the missionary, remember the moment, you know, we're moving into an elevator, and it was he and I. And he said to me, you know, if I had a team full of people like you, we could get a lot done around here. But what you don't understand is that these missionaries have had absolutely no ministry and fellowship for some time. That was a new concept to me. I thought in the ministry, others before me, <laughs> I thought I got that. I mean, I was the one who said yes. I was the one who was on the trip. I know in life, as these agents who are under authority, we let God come in and we let him speak and we let him guide and we let him direct because we don't know where we're stalled. We don't know what we don't know. And when I prayed, you know, the Lord said to me, there's a place called there. And he said, when you go there, I will speak to you there. And he spoke to me on a bunk. I was by myself. You were all in one spot, and I was alone. Imagine that. I got separated from my group, and I was in bunks, and there were, Asi you know, men. Okay, I love Asian people, so God bless America. I'm laying on the bunk, you know, and I'm by myself. And I'm being stared at because I have blonde hair at the time. And I'm trying to sleep and we're like this far apart and they're like staring at me. I don't know these guys. And we're like on this 24-hour train ride and I'm trying to sleep and God speaks to me practically with the covers over my head and begins to, in only the way that God can, talk to me about what covenant loyalty looks like. And I think about, because um, I think about it's all about transformation. And the more transformed we become, the more Christ-like we become, the more our light shines and we are automatic magnets for those that don't know Christ. As we just allow ourselves to fall in love with him, Because he's not just trying to change, Pastor Alex always says, the outside. But he wants to change the inside. And sometimes he needs to take you there in order to show you. And I remember Esau. Um, the scripture says he, I'm going to harbor here for a minute and I'm past it. And I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm learning what it means to be covenant loyal. 
But, you know, the scripture says when he's hungry and he gives away his birthright because all of a sudden he's hungry. And so he trades it for a meal, something he had waited his whole life for. And I remember coming home, and now it's different. I'm like, yeah, God, I get the lesson. I was dumb. I'll never do it again. And I go home, and for 24 hours, I'm sitting beside this gentleman on this, in this little seat, you know, big man beside me. And I'm like all crawled up, and I cried and cried and cried and cried because I realized that God put China in my heart. He put people that I didn't know or care about supernaturally on the inside of my heart. Others before me. And I remember when I came home, I wanted to go so bad again, because now I'm like on fire, and I wanna go, I want, I want to be a help, I want to minister, I want to do these things. And I remember the Lord, right away because there was a team that went relatively soon and I remember the Lord saying to me and this is harsh but it made he made his point and he said to me she's not looking for people like you We're going to criticize and judge the plans and judge the accommodations and judge this and that. But she's looking for those who will support what it is that God is asking her to do to the end. covenant loyalty support to the end so then I was thinking maybe I know that's a heavy and it's all good here we are but I hope I made my point sometimes you may feel like you know someone did something dumb like that to you <laughs> maybe you needed help maybe you needed help from God maybe you feel like he wasn't there. Maybe you needed help from someone you feel like they weren't there. Maybe, you know, just like me, I'm all excited and, and in my enthusiasm and my naiveness, meaning well, you get hurt as you say yes to God to do all of these grand things and you realize that people who say they will be with you aren't always with you until the end. And you wake up one day and it's like, where are they? <laughs> I thought we were doing this together. Right. And you feel the lack of help and the lack of support and the betrayal. Maybe you were moving and they said they'd come and they never came. Maybe they came and they left early. Maybe you were doing something and you thought you were all as excited as each other only to find out that they weren't excited at all. 
and we're left with this feeling of lack of support to the end. Hallelujah. Well, when you look at the book of Ruth and you hear about Naomi, this person in the book of Ruth, Naomi, she also felt huge betrayal, the Bible talks to us, by God. Hallelujah. There's a famine when she's with her husband and there's a famine in Bethlehem and so her husband leads her, her and her two sons into Moab and her husband dies there and leaves her with two sons, hallelujah, no husband. And she's wondering, you know, as she goes on and her sons, they stay there for a little while and her sons end up with wives from Moab and not too long after that, her sons die. And so she's like, oi, you know. <laughs> she says things like in her feeling a lack of support from God, like, where are you, God? I'm feeling a little betrayed by you right now, God. Things like, the hand of God is against me. The Almighty has dealt bitterly against me. She even says that God is the one who afflicted her. But what's super important, just like my story in China, is that I didn't come home and put my head under the pillow and decide I was never going to go to the mission field again. What's super important for Naomi is that she keeps moving. It is an absolutely short book of four short chapters. Read it. It is so full of loyalty. It's full of support and commitment and loyalty and faithfulness and love to the end. You find it in the love that Naomi has for her daughters-in-law. You see it in the love that Boaz has for for, you know, Naomi and for Ruth, you see it in the love that Boaz has for a, a husband who is dead and an inheritance that he desires to maintain because he's a man of integrity and he understands the ways. It's full of what covenant loyalty actually looks like. Let me remind us all. Why is being committed to God and to his word and his ways, it, it causes our light to shine, but it, it clears out the places in our life like nothing else where we are stalled in life. There is nothing that will stop up the blessings more in life than betrayal, than a lack of love and support. In a gospel where God declares very overtly, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Love as I have loved you, he says. Outdo one another in showing them honor and good. We come here because, you know, we want to get excited and we believe in prosperity. Some people get mad at the prosperity message. I don't know why they get mad because unless the word is preached, you can't ever have the harvest. 
If we never ever say anything about healing, there'll never be a person healed. If we never ever talk about prosperity, there'll never be a person that's empowered to be blessed. If you don't talk about it and cast the seed of the word of God into the heart of man, there can never be a harvest. The sower sows the word so there can be a harvest. Hallelujah. What's important is that you kept moving towards God because God always makes a way. He always makes a way. And what we need is we need eyes to see because we don't always see early on what it is that God's put in our path that's our deliverance. And so God gives Naomi Ruth. She has another daughter-in-law that she tries to get rid of them both on the road. Her name is not Oprah, it's Orpah. I was like, oh, cool, Oprah. No, no, it's not Oprah. Orpah or something like that. Oopa. <laughs> she keeps moving. Hallelujah. He gave her Ruth to see the faithfulness of God because she couldn't see it. All she could see is, where are you, God? You've dealt bitterly with me, God. My husband, my sons. And the Bible says that Orpah, they cry and she tries to get rid of them and goes on this discourse and says, you know, I'm an old, old woman and I can't have a son and even if time goes by, this is not going to work. And so the, her one daughter-in-law, they cry and she leaves. But the Bible says Ruth clings to her. She stays close, joined, pursues her closely to the end. Whew! To the end. Support to the end. The scripture actually says in her determination, she speaks to Naomi as they're making this journey, and Ruth, uh, Naomi tries to get rid of her, and Ruth says, very familiar portion of scripture. She says, where you go, I will go. And where you live, I will live. Your people, come on. Your people will be my people. The other, the other lady went home. That's like me going, I went to China. Y'all didn't go. You can laugh at me all you want, but you didn't go. I went. Right? Well, how many, you know, it's, it's, it's all, God wants to take us all the way. He got to show us what he's got to show us. Yeah. And we got to keep listening. And we got to make sure that our hearts are unstopped so that he can keep speaking and we get rid of the pride and we stay in humility so that we unstop the blessings of God and we finish this thing because we're called in this earth to be agents of change. That's who you are. That's who I am. Everywhere we go, try or don't try, we are changing things. It's in our DNA. We change the environment that we are in because we ooze the word of God. It's a beating and alive and it changes circumstances and people. 
if we will let it. If we will keep a humble heart, not a a judgmental, critical heart, always critical, always fault-finding, always in the name of trying to make things better, instead of just being completely supportive to the end and trusting God. She said, your God will be my God, and where you die, I will die And there I will be buried to the end. And she goes on to say, may God punish me. May God punish me. Paraphrase, if I try to get out of this early. If I try to quit and run. If I try to escape. We see Ruth and her loyalty where she goes to the field and, you know, she works hard and she gleans from the field and we see Boaz, how he honors her. You know, she, Naomi sends her out to the field and, um, you know, Boaz sees her and it's all a setup because Naomi keeps moving towards God. She hears that God is feeding people, so she moves back to Bethlehem. She keeps moving towards God. She keeps the lines of communication open. She keeps her heart humble and supple and soft before God. Hallelujah, the scripture says she goes to the field from morning to night. She gleans Boaz, who treats her with absolute respect when he's concerned out of one side of things that she's going to go in the field, that he has to protect her because the men are going to molest her. And so she ends up in the field because Naomi sends her there and he says, you're a woman of honor. And so he said, you know, basically like, you need to leave here, leave here before the morning, before anybody sees you. And he's always blessing and always blessing. And, and Naomi goes on to say, you know, she won't leave her. And she just keeps through the journey. She keeps articulating, you know. She keeps articulating this commitment that she's made. She keeps, you know, grinding it in, so to speak, this promise that she's made to God and to Naomi. And the scripture says, you know, that she declares, all that you say, I will do. These are not her people. She's sweating, going in the field. I mean, Naomi basically says to her, like, go home and find a husband and rest. Going with Naomi meant hard work. In a land she didn't know, with people she didn't know. It wasn't like she was taking the easy road. She was taking the hard road in the natural. But it was the road of absolute change when you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Crazy. The scripture says she did as her mother-in-law told her. And she had a willing heart. Loyalty. Her loyalty opened the door to meet the loyal one, Boaz. Her loyalty. Sometimes 
put your helmet on. Sometimes, hey, then, you know, we wonder, you must have had a little bit of that in you too at the time then. <laughs> we wonder how we find each other, don't we? Sometimes it's a, I love you. Sometimes it's a setup from the enemy to steal what God has intended. Sometimes don't you wonder that? You know, when you see an absolutely amazing person and you're like, why do they keep choosing the wrong friends? Why do they keep choosing the wrong spouse? How does that keep happening to them? They're such good people. Loyalty opened the door to loyalty. Wow. Wow. Whatsoever a man sows, come on. A man's harvest in life depends sort of, sometimes, no, entirely. Come on. A man's harvest in life depends entirely on the seeds that he sows. If you sow seeds of gossip and discord, you will attract those who gossip and discord with you happily, but you will also stop up your blessing. Loyalty refuses all of those things. Hallelujah. I'm going to bring it to a close. And Boaz sees Ruth's loyalty. He says, I have been. I love this because God is watching. He's watching. The scripture tells us that the labor, our labor of love for the Lord is never in vain. That thing that you said yes to, that today you wished you never said yes, that thing that you said yes to that you're struggling under today, God says, your labor of love in saying yes to me is not in vain. And that if you will keep your heart right and your perspective right in it, I will release the grace, the Ruth in your situation, the faithfulness, the help that you need, the support that you need to bring you all the way through to the end. That's good news. He says, I've been made fully aware of all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother to come to an unknown people. He says, may the Lord recompense you and a full reward be given you. You have taken up refuge. Listen to this. Her loyalty to Naomi, her commitment, her relentlessness, her determination, her, I'm with you till I die, no matter what it brings in good and bad. Boaz says to her, your loyalty to Naomi has brought you to the place where you have taken up refuge under the God of Israel. God is now your defender. God is your defender, Ruth. God will defend you. 
because you have given covenant loyalty to another. Woo! Hallelujah. What does God want us to see as we bring this, shifting our thinking and bring this to a close? Hallelujah. Ruth's love for Naomi or our love for others leads us closer to God. Sometimes, you said it yesterday, when, we, when our relationships with the Trinity are restored because they reflect our relationships to mother, father, and siblings in this earth, when our relationships are restored, hallelujah, our, our, our thinking is, is shifted, amen? Hallelujah. We, I'm trying to remember what you said. You said, Holy Spirit leads you to the place where you don't love less, but you love more. You love with his love, with an unending love. So you, when you feel like you have nothing else to love with, there's something that's stopping up your pipes. When you feel like you have nothing left to give people, there's something that's stopping up your pipes. Because when there's a restoration between you and the Godhead, what happens is we're introduced to a facet of God, the grace of God, the defense of God that brings us to the place where we will love more and have more to love with. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Ruth's love for Naomi caused her to eat. And we didn't go into that part of the story, but she comes to a place where she, Boaz calls her aside and she eats and is filled. She's satisfied, the scripture says, and she takes some home, you know, so... Our love for others causes us to, to be satisfied. Our love for others brings, just like Boaz declared over her, it brings reward. Our love for others brings reward. Come on, let's let those sacred cows this morning, in the name of Jesus, let them just be decapitated. In Jesus' name, let them fall to the ground. Our love for others brings reward. Our love for others brings us to a safe place where God becomes our defense. Being a loyal, supportive people means that we stay close. When we look at Ruth to Naomi, it means that we stay close in difficult times. We stay close when it's hard. We don't bolt. Turn to somebody and say, did you hear that? <laughs> Come on. I remember in my early years of marriage, I was always leaving Pastor Ian. I was new to the Lord. And I remember the Lord saying to me, he has heard that his whole life. I don't ever want you to say that again. And I never said it again. I'm leaving.
follow through. People who are supportive follow through. They can be counted on. They're trustworthy. They're the ones who show up and they have the smile at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Come on, you know. You're there and you're just pouring it out. You're sweating it up. And, and then you find somebody there, Susie, around the corner, and she got a big smile on her face. She always smiled anyway, Susie. You know, but they got a big smile on their face, and you're like, oh, God, what did I do to deserve this? You know, right? Come on, you've experienced that. People who are supportive to the end or loyal lay their lives down for others. They remember others in their success and they get God's attention. What can we expect? Now we need to make sure that we're focusing on what's going on that's right. And we need to make sure that we shift in our thinking. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Hallelujah, we just bless you, Lord. Come on, our focus is on what's going right. Our focus is on what's going right. We're focusing on what's going right. Did you hear me? I said we're focusing on what's going right. We're focusing on what's going right. We're focusing on how hard they're trying. We're focusing on what's working. We're focusing on how many times it did work. Loyalty begets loyalty. Boaz makes this crazy declaration, and I'm going to pray over you. When Ruth meets him <clears throat> at the threshing floor, he basically declares for her, I will do for you all that you require. These are Jesus' words to us today. Jesus, the Bible says, Boaz, and we didn't go into this for the sake of time, but Boaz was their redeemer. She was, he was a relative of Naomi's husband. And what a redeemer would do would be to avenge wrongs and restore rights. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He will do for you today all that you require. Loyalty begets loyalty. He will fight for you. He will take vengeance and pay you back for all the wrongs. He will restore what was taken. And listen to what Naomi says. Naomi says this. She tells Ruth, she says, sit my daughter until you learn how the matter turns out. Listen to this. Close your eyes. The man will not rest until he finishes the matter. 
the man will not rest. What is it you need from the Lord this morning? Just lift your hands. Jesus is your kinsman redeemer. Loyalty begets loyalty. He's fighting for you today. He is your defender. And he will not rest until this matter is settled. He will not rest. He will not rest. He will not rest. He will not rest. We're going to do something right now. He will not rest. I want you to take, we're going to go into the courtroom right now. In the name of Jesus. I want you to see yourself in a courtroom right now in the name of Jesus. And I want you to see yourself and I want you to see Heavenly Father, Jesus is there and Holy Spirit are in this courtroom together with you. And I want you to see what it is that that you need defense in the area of written on this piece of paper. I want you to see yourself just hand it to the Lord. And God, we just declare in the name of Jesus that we come boldly to your throne this morning in the name of Jesus, the throne of grace, to obtain mercy and grace. God, we just declare that we come before the throne of grace in humility. And we come in the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus and the power of that blood. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, in this court, the blood has silenced every enemy and every accuser in the name of Jesus. So he's not in the courtroom with us. And so we're in the courtroom and as we hand Jesus that issue that we're believing God for, what our expectation is from Jesus is not to tell us whether he will or won't because his blood tells us he already did. And all we want him to do for us in the court of heaven is to come out to hand us another piece of paper that speaks to us about the victory that we have in this situation where we have asked for his defense where we have asked for his help. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus right now, we make that exchange. We come before you. We come to the courts of heaven through the power of your blood. And we, we sense your love. And, and we sense, Lord, in the name of Jesus that there's no judgment here. And that it's not about how right we are or what we've done right or what we've done wrong. It's all on the basis of the power of your blood and what's been done. And so we hand you the burden, Jesus. We hand you the burden that we've been carrying. We hand you the worry that we've been carrying on this piece of paper, reflective, Lord, of this verdict where we need defense and where we need help in the name of Jesus. And we declare, Lord, that we turn it over to you. Give it to him right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask, Father, for a verdict from heaven. Your word gives us a verdict. Your word gives us a verdict. 
Your word takes that which is temporal and makes it eternal for good in the name of Jesus. Your word smashes every lie of the enemy. Your word in the name of Jesus is life, is life, it is life. And so we ask Jesus as we just take a moment you would speak to us God in this matter that you would speak to our hearts Lord that we could leave this place with a verdict from heaven and know that we know that we know as we keep moving like Naomi did that you are our defense that you are our defender and that you are with us to the end and we give you praise we give you praise I just want you to take a moment just take a moment what it is that, what it was it what is it that you're seeing on that piece of paper what is it that he's saying to you in regards to that thing that seemed like it wouldn't move it seemed like it wouldn't budge he has words for it he has words for it he has a verdict for it and that word the Bible says will remain forever. It will stand the test of time and it will overcome every evil. Father, we thank you. Just another moment. We thank you. We thank you for speaking to our hearts concerning these matters that have troubled us. We have no need to be troubled. You're our defender. You're our defender. in your mind right now it's amazing how when you get moving you can forget what that is let's all take a deep breath just thank the Lord hallelujah come on let's just give him praise thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thanks so much for joining us today we pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him, but been far from him. We wanna give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me 
I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day. And help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.